The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Well, who's telling the truth about the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Is Putin as evil as we're making him seem in the West? We'll separate fact from fiction today. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, welcome to the broadcast today. Yes, like a proud mother that's just given birth to child number 40-something, it is my joy to share the news that the silencing of the lambs, the ominous rise of cancel culture and how we can overcome it is now available. Those that have been waiting for the ebook or the audio book, those should be available now wherever you ordered them. And of course, the print copies, if you got them from us, hopefully they are on their way to you right now. I won't be taking calls. I want this show to bless you. I want this show to encourage you. Uh, for those watching, I just want to put a graphic of the book cover up for you. I want you to see what it actually looks like. I, I, I was really super blessed by, for those that are listening, yeah, so the top, the, silence, the silencing of the lambs in text and the subtitle under it, but then there's, there's a little lamb. I mean, it's a real picture of a, of a lamb, and it's got American flag, thin, thin uh, folded up thin, wrapped around, it's, it's snout, you know, silencing it from speaking. And, and it's, it conveys the urgency of the moment that we're in, friends. So I want to talk to you about that today. I, I want to encourage your hearts. I want to share some strategies with you. And, and let me share the table of contents of the book. As I talk about the book, I want to talk about things that will help you. So yes, I want you to know about the book, and if you haven't ordered it, I encourage you to order it. You can just go to drbrownbooks.com, and there are links to all different places where you can order the book. And get, get extra copies. I, I believe you'll want to. When you start reading it, you'll be stirred. Uh, some of the readers, some of the endorsers that looked at it in advance said, you know, they, were, they felt they were stirred and on the front lines before, but as they read the book, it opened their eyes and challenged them even more. So- here are, the, here are the table of contents in the book. The, the first half of the book, part one, they are trying to shut us up. Who are they? Who are these forces, these people that are trying to shut us up? Well, it's coming from many, many different angles, but ultimately it's the devil who wants to silence God's people. So this is going to come through many, many different angles, which we then break down, explaining first that there's a target on your back. If you're a conservative in America, there's a target on your back. If you are a Christian conservative, meaning a follower of Jesus who, who has conservative biblical values or values that the society would call conservative based on your views of scripture, there is especially a target on your back. And then the next seven chapters canceled. This thing that's happening in the culture today where you are not just rejected or even marginalized, but, quote, disappeared. That, that's been used as a verb for some years. Someone was disappeared in China or in Russia. Suddenly they're gone. What happened? They are gone uh, under the Soviet Union and under Marxism. You have examples of people that were well-known and prominent and then fell out of favor. And next thing, they're gone. And, and when you read the history books, they're, 
the, the stories have changed or they're eliminated. It used to be, friends, that you got a, a newspaper subscription or a magazine subscription and you didn't want it anymore, so you cancel the subscription. I mean, we still do that. Or you've got some video program, Netflix or something, and it's like, I don't want that anymore. You cancel the subscription. Today, we're canceling people. Uh, let me give you an example. Barry Weiss, journalist with the New York Times, she would be classified as a liberal, millennial, feminist, lesbian, quote, married to her partner, to her female partner. All right. She found herself under tremendous attack at the New York Times. I just described her ideology, right? So she is not a, a Bible-thumping, conservative, fundamentalist Christian. Quite the contrary. She saw cancel culture at work in the New York Times. She saw what happened, not criticism, which is she said that's, that's part of the job, but canceling. She called it social murder. It's what's happening today. Here, here, look at this. Whether you like President Trump or not, the idea that the president of the United States with 80 million followers could be canceled on Twitter, gone, and, and then suspended on Facebook where he had, what, 30 or 40 million followers, suspended on Facebook until 2023, something like that, and maybe it'll be permanent. And then others, they had platforms, they, they had their YouTube channels removed, they were taken off radio, they were taken off TV, career opportunities shut down. Why? Because of something they said 10 years ago or something they did 15 years ago. And there's no forgiveness. Nick Cave, Australian singer and songwriter, said that, that this cancel culture is mercy's antithesis. It's the exact opposite of mercy. So that's the first chapter, canceled. The reality of what's happening. And, and friends, it's not just people like me who are speaking up against this. And this has to do with the gospel. This, this directly has to do with our religious freedoms. This has to do with what we teach our children and what we're allowed to practice. You better believe it. This is, this is not some abstract issue. And, and when I feel burdened to write these things, it's be, because we must address them. We have no choice but to address them. So it's not just voices like mine calling attention to this. But as I mentioned, people like Barry Weiss, people like Nick Cave, people like the irreverent atheist liberal Bill Maher, or uh, an irreverent Jewish comedian, Sarah Silverman, or actors and actresses, Alec Baldwin, Sharon Stone, entertainers like Miley Cyrus. I mean, these are not exactly people that you have in your list of of the most godly, holy, Jesus-loving people we know. May, may the Lord bring them to a knowledge of himself. And they're all speaking up against this. The next chapter is called the Campus Thought Police. And friends, <laughs> the restrictions on free speech on campuses, the pressure on students and administrators and faculty not to go against the grain is getting more and more extreme. And there's data that I have in that chapter, friends, that will blow your mind in, in terms of how liberal campuses have become, how far to the left they've shifted. And then big tech takes control. And it is worse than many of us realize, the level of restrictions. Here, here look, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, okay? 
And I've urged everyone to be responsible and, and to prayerfully decide about getting vaccinated or not and making for medical decisions, etc. I I am not one of those campaigning against the COVID vaccines. But I have colleagues that simply raised questions and said, is this the right thing to do? Or is it really health? And and they got deplatformed on YouTube. They were reaching probably millions of people, certainly hundreds of thousands, and they got deplatformed on YouTube. Why? Because they, they raised a narrative you're not allowed to raise. I, I mean, think of that for a minute. It's one thing to say, well, the vaccine is saving lives and we don't want people to have other information. But there's all kinds of information day and night that's out there. If people listen to it, it would be detrimental to their health or detrimental to their spiritual life. Or, but it's just freedom of speech and freedom of communication. But no, there's certain lines you can't cross. Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr., who was, who was on with me recently to talk about this, here he is, he is sharing in a series of videos on YouTube data from reports in, in, in peer-reviewed studies indicating that just trauma counseling has helped people resolve same-sex attraction issues. Just going back to other traumas in their lives that seemingly were unrelated to sexuality, that in doing that, that they found lessening of same-sex attraction or the removal of same-sex attraction, whatever it was. And, and for talking about this, it, YouTube took down his channel. It's completely outrageous, but it's what's happening. We have friends that have ministries to help people with unwanted same-sex attraction or with unwanted gender identity confusion. They've had their pages removed from Facebook. I know others that simply posting scriptures about what the Bible says about some of these issues had their pages removed. It, it, it is really very, very intense, friends. I can't underscore that. And, and then the BLM-Jezebel connection. You say, what in the world is that about? That, that's what comes next as I lay out the issues that we're facing. So I want to shout from the rooftops as, lo- as loudly as I can in solidarity with my black American friends, colleagues, and those I don't even know, that every black life matters. That anything our society does, systemically or otherwise, that gives any other feeling that every black life is important, I stand against that, I oppose that. And I want the truth of our history, the good and the bad, taught to kids at appropriate ages. I want them to know the whole story, to be ashamed of some things in our past and to be very proud of other things in our past. All right. I I want that. The BLM organization is Jezebelic. What do I mean? It was founded by radical feminists with Marxist training, at least two out of the three, at least two out of three identifying as lesbians. When you or queer, when you read through their initial statement, which is now removed from the internet, but it's found in other places, and we, we and many others documented it, you don't find references to fathers. You, you, the only reference to men, those are, those are negative. You find far more about, about queer affirming and trans affirming that, than you find about affirming healthy families with moms and dads. You don't find that at all. And this spirit of intimidation this spirit that says you dare cross this line 
and, and we will push back even with violence. That is very Jezebelic. So we, we open that up. The difference between good and righteous civil rights consciousness and good and righteous care for every human being in our society versus the BLM movement. We expose that Jezebelic connection. And then the next three chapters, why are these lambs so dangerous? What lambs? I'll tell you on the other side of the break. The all-out assault on our children? Oh, boy. When you think about what a kid has up against them these days, it's very intense. And, and then off with their heads. That's the first half of the book. They are trying to shut us up. But you'll notice that seven chapters, the strategies part, the rest of the book is many more chapters, almost twice as many. Because I really felt the Lord's grace and a push to say, yeah, here's the problem. Here's how we overcome. Here's how we overcome. Here's how we overcome. Here's how we overcome. Stay right here. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to a special edition of the Line of Fire. Yeah, I'm excited like a, like a proud parent, proud dad today as the silencing of the lambs is now available. So if you if you pre-ordered on, on Kindle, or on another form of ebook, then it should be in your library right now. Check for it. If you pre-ordered on Audible or another audio form, it should be in your library right now as this is the official release date, March 1st. I'm not taking calls today, but I am going through the content of the book, not simply to say the book is about this, the book is about that. If you were interested, you'd buy the book. No, but to share some of the key truths, to share some of the eye-opening material, and then to share some of the strategies. Because friends, in Jesus, we overcome. The fact is that the Church of Jesus, the Messianic community, we cannot be canceled. And if you snuff us out here, we're going to grow more there. And, and, and as Tertullian said, many centuries ago, that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. As fast as you cut us down, we grow back. We grow back even more. So the last three chapters in the, the first part of the book are these. Why are these lambs so dangerous? And then the all-out assault on our children. And then off with their heads. <clears throat> so these, why are these lambs so dangerous? Which lambs am I talking about? Ex-gay, ex-trans, people who've been through a lot of pain, a lot of rejection, have had to do a lot of healing in their own lives. Think of it. You, you, you struggle maybe as a kid thinking, well, am I gay? Am I attracted to the same sex? How could that be? And then you finally come to grips with it. Maybe you develop a theology. This is how God made me. Or you don't even think about God. You come out as gay openly. Maybe your family rejects you, especially in older days. There'd be more of that. And, and, and friends don't want to deal with you. You got to find a new circle of friends and new way of life. And over time, God begins to deal with you. 
and, and you realize something's wrong and this is not how he made me to be and there's, there is a better way and, and you begin to, to seek him and, and, and he begins to convict you. You know, you got to break up this relationship. You got to move out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You know, that's painful. You've been sharing everything. And, and now you go to tell one of your friends, you know, I, I don't want to live like this. I don't know if I could ever change my desires, but I can change my actions. I don't want to live like this. Now you get rejected by that community, right? Now you go to a church and the people in the church are, whoa, are you sure? I mean, you said you're gay. I, I don't want to, I'm a guy. I, I don't want to give you a hug and give you a wrong idea. And are you sure you're, maybe you're, you're just here to infiltrate. And so instead of, and this is not going to happen everywhere, of course. But maybe you're greeted with suspicion in the church. So, so you've lost your old gay community. Many of the church, okay, we love you, but we don't quite know where to put you, what, what category to put you in. We're not really sure. Now you got to deal with that. And, and, and now, okay, well, let's tell you what. Let's hook you up with, we got a really sweet gal in the church. And she's beautiful and she's single. So we're going to hook you up. That'll cure you of your homosexuality. Now everybody's getting hurt. <clears throat> So this is not exactly the kind of person that you think is some aggressive, nasty, in-your-face, trying-to-scare-you-hurt-you person. This is a person just trying to live their life and honor the Lord. And many of them find resolution to same-sex attraction and radical change and end up in healthy heterosexual relations, etc. But what, what's so dangerous about being ex-gay? What's so dangerous about saying, yeah, I used to identify as trans, but I don't anymore. Because the whole narrative is you're born this way and you can't change. It's innate and immutable. Gay is the new black. Trans is the new black. This is the mindset. It's a civil right issue. It's no different than skin color or ethnicity. You're born that way. You can't change. You can't be ex-black or ex-Hispanic, or ex-Asian. You can't because that's just who you are, ethnically or skin color. But if there's no scientific documentation, reputable, that, that can demonstrate that anyone is, quote, born gay or born trans, and more importantly, if change is possible, it undermines the whole gay as the new black, trans as the new black civil rights argument. And therefore, it must be snuffed out. The very denial of ex-gays, the very existence of ex-gays must be denied. The, the very existence of ex-trans must be denied. And yes, there are some people who've been hurt by counseling to try to help them come out of homosexuality or to help them come out of gender identity confusion, just as there are people who went for counsel for alcoholism or obesity or other things that end up more depressed, drinking more, eating more. Those things happen. And if people have gotten counsel and help for every kind of mental and emotional struggle, and sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. But a recent major study has indicated that when, when people were tracked that went through unsuccessful talk therapy to help them with, un, with unwanted same-sex attraction, that long run, they weren't hurt by it. In any case, why the attempt in, in, in country after country now to ban all counseling for someone with unwanted same-sex attraction of any age, ban all counseling for someone with unwanted transgender issues of any age, 
except to encourage them to embrace their homosexuality or embrace their transgenderism. Why? And why this massive effort in country after country and state after state to make it illegal for a kid with parental approval to get counseling to help them in these areas? It is utterly outrageous. But these lambs must be silent. So I, I have a whole chapter on that. And then the chapter, the all-out assault on our children. Can I share some of it with you? Give you a sneak preview. Again, this is from my brand new book, The Silencing of the Lambs, which is available for order right now. And hey, can I ask you for a favor? Publishers more and more rely on authors these days to get the word out about their books. Now, you know the number one way that books sell? The number one way? Word of mouth. Yeah. You can have this massive advertising campaign, but if the readers don't really like what they're reading, it kind of ends right there. So word of mouth remains the number one way to get message out about messages out about books. And if you've appreciated what I've written and now appreciate the brand new book, The Silencing of the Lambs, once you get into it, if you're enjoying it, tell a friend. Or better still, if you've got a social media following, whatever the format platform is, get on there, do a little video, or just hold the hold the book up and say, Hey, I'm reading this book. I really encourage you to get it. It's the best way to spread the word. So if if, if the book ministers to you, blesses you, share it with others. Okay, chapter six, the all-out assault on our children. Let, let me read some of this to you. Satan is not just trying to silence the next generation. He is seeking to wipe it out, declaring an all-out war on our children. They are being slaughtered in the womb. They are being kidnapped and sold into sex slavery. They are being raped and abused and neglected and used. They're being brainwashed by their teachers and bullied by their peers. They are lost and lonely, depressed and suicidal. They cut themselves and kill themselves. Their innocence is being robbed and their security is being stolen. Without exaggeration, we can say that no generation in American history has been subject to such a concerted demonic attack. Just put yourself in the place of a child today, starting your dangerous journey to adulthood from within the womb. From the moment of conception, your life is at risk. Will you make it out of the womb? Or you'll be like the multiplied millions who have been cut down before they could breathe their first official breath. The demonic attack against you is especially acute if you're a black baby. You have less than a 75% chance of making it out of the womb alive because of abortion. If you're a black baby conceived in New York City, you have less than a 50% chance of making it out of the womb alive. As a result, according to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, abortion kills more black people than HIV, homicide, diabetes, accident, cancer, and heart disease combined. Can anyone spare some tears? In your case, thankfully, you survive your mother's pregnancy and emerge from the womb to take that first breath, a beautiful little girl. But you were born, are you born into a broken home? Will you know your biological mother and father? Or will your mother's boyfriend abuse you physically or even sexually? Perhaps your father's an anonymous sperm donor. Who are you really? Will you ever know for sure? Once again, though, you're among the fortunate ones. You have a mommy and a daddy, and they love to do special things with you, like Take you to the library, even as a toddler. One of the highlights is an event called Drag Queen Story Hour. Those drag queens are so fun. A couple of years later in your pre-K class, the teacher reads storybooks to you. Pretty books with colorful pictures. Some feature boys wearing dresses. Others, others depict a little girl with her two daddies. And your teacher refers to all of you as friends. Since calling you boys and girls makes unnecessary gender distinctions. Whatever those are. Once you're in kindergarten and first grade, you'll learn more about gender and you'll find out that some boys are really girls and some girls are really boys. Maybe that applies to you. 
Soon enough, you've discovered the wonderful world of the internet. So many games to play and so many movies to watch. But one day, when you're just eight, you ask your mommy, why don't those people have any clothes on? You've now been introduced to porn. When you reach the age of 12, the boy you like at school pressures you to text him a picture of yourself naked. Soon enough, the other kids are giggling as you walk by, whispering things to each other. Your picture is now spread throughout the school. Before you know it, you're cutting yourself to deal with the pain. But when that doesn't work, you attempt suicide for the first time. You just turn 13. Lucky for you, your parents have a lot of money, so they're able to send you to a brand new school where you meet a whole new group of great new friends. And they're so cool. Two of the boys just came out as gay. They're really popular now. As for your best girlfriend, within a year, she'll get pregnant and have an abortion. Of course, her parents won't know anything about it. She'll also get an STD. How will she keep that a secret? But the two of you can keep your minds clear by putting on your headphones and dancing along to songs like WAP. Now you have some role models to follow. Your kid brother, though, isn't into music. Instead, he plays violent, gory, sexually explicit video games six hours a day. As for your loving parents, they're just glad both of you are staying out of trouble. And did I say you were barely 14? Whatever happened to innocence? Whatever happened to purity? Whatever happened to child? Friends, that's just the beginning of the chapter. This is the war zone in which our kids are being raised. What are God's solution? It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. We are rejoicing today in a special birthday, the birthday of my latest book, The Silencing of the Lambs, The Ominous Rise of Cancel Culture and How We Can Overcome It. If you want to know all the different places to order it, get a copy of it, or you want to read a sample chapter for free, Go to drbrownbooks.com, drbrownbooks.com, and check out the information about the silencing of the lambs. The first half of the book, The Problem, as so many different voices and powers in our society are trying to silence us. And then the second half, which has more chapters, they're shorter chapters, and they're full of strategy and inspiration and encouragement, whether you're a parent, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a professor, all laid out, or pupil, have another P there, right? All laid out, one after another, that virtually every one of us can do something to push back and to make a difference. So the last chapter in the first half of the book is called Off With Their Heads. Do you remember as Antifa had taken over part of one of our Western cities last year? that they called it the autonomous zone. And then there was an abbreviation for it and the word CHOP was being used or the acronym CHOP. But then others began to say CHOP as in off with your heads. They even had a guillotine set up and they're shouting off with your heads. Now, some of these people are really extremists. You have extremists on all sides. Some of these people are mentally unstable. You have that on all sides, left, right, Christian, atheist. You have that on all sides. Some of them are very violent. Again, you have them on all sides. But here you have groups actually shouting that off with your heads, chop, chop. And it was not that long after, towards the end of last year, that Christians just setting up a ministry time, a worship time in, in one of these cities ended up getting physically attacked by the groups. So 
there, how far will the silencing attempts go? How far will the canceling attempts go? You tell me. You tell me. Do you really think that some of these extremists are going to use restraint when it comes to violence? You really think that there's not going to be some bloodshed if these forces continue to take over and, and influence more and more? Where is it written that America will be exempt from the bloodshed of believers when countries around the world are experiencing it right now, when Jesus told us to expect it, and when it's happened through church history? Where, how do we know that? Well, I'm an American. This could never happen in America. A whole lot of stuff has happened in America we never would have thought could happen here. So I believe some of these very extremists, be they radical Antifa members, be they radical BLM members, be they be radical uh, of other groups, radical uh, insurrectionists, I believe many of them are going to get gloriously saved and going to become godly leaders and, and helping many in the body. But others are going to get darker and darker. All right, now, here's the good news. The good news is that it's very dark out, but the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot stop it. The darkness cannot overcome it. Darkness does not have the power to blot out light. If the light is shining rightly, nothing can stop it. Friends, sometimes it's so easy to be intimidated by the, quote, giants in the land that we forget that greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We forget that entirely. So this is how we overcome part two of the book. And, and I'm going to go through these. It's chapters eight through 19. I'm just going to read them through quickly and, and, and then start to, to talk about some of them. To, I, I want to inspire you, friends. I want to encourage you. I'm, I'm here to do that day in, day out. We talk about the hard things, the difficult things. But then we want to build your faith. We want to give you the mindset of an overcomer in Jesus, more than conquerors, no matter what comes our way. So here are the, the chapters, chapters 8 through 19 in Silencing the Lambs. Stop being chickens. That's in quotes from Dr. Ben Carson. The word of God cannot be bound. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. I'm, I'm chained in prison. I'm bound in prison. But the word of God can't be bound or chained. Tell your Story, hmm, time for professors to practice kamikaze academics. What does that mean? Parents, take a stand. Calling all evangelists. We do not fight with the weapons of this world. We must be better than the canceling culture. The church cannot be canceled. Bow the knee only to Jesus. Turning pitfalls into platforms. Announcing a new gospel holiday to help overcome the silence, silencing of the lambs. I'll tell you more about the last chapter in the days ahead, but just, just put a mark on April 14th on your calendar. Just put a mark there. I'll tell you more about it as we get closer. And then look up Esther 414. When you look it up, you say, ah, I, I knew that verse. Maybe the one verse from Esther that, that many believers know and have memorized. But Esther 4.14, and then just put a mark on your calendar or highlight it April 14th, 4.14. We'll tell you why as we get closer. And if you get the book, you'll, you'll read it in the book. You'll, you'll know the whole story there. And you can get excited about it in advance and be praying in advance and, and telling your friends and sharing the word in advance.
So the word of God cannot be bound. You know the name John Bunyan, right? Maybe not as well known in today's generation than in previous generations, but John Bunyan, one of the best-selling Christian authors of all time, for many, many, many years, probably a period of a few hundred years, Pilgrim's Progress was the best-selling book in the English-speaking world after the Bible. And the story of John Bunyan, I mean, incredibly poor, and, and then the first wife dies, don't even know her name. She had inherited a couple of books, Christian books, and Bunyan reading them led to the beginning of his salvation journey. But if you've ever read Grace Abounding to the Chiefest of Sinners, you know, back and forth, saved, not saved, does he really believe, doesn't he believe, until he finally breaks through. It's, it's a well-known classic. The Pilgrim's Progress, even, even better known. So Bunyan ends up in prison. And basically, the way you'd survive in prison is if your family would bring you food and things like that. Otherwise, you could, you could barely make it. So he's in prison because there's a crackdown, the state church forbidding certain people from preaching without proper licensing. And he goes on preaching. He's, he's going to do what's right in God's sight and pay the consequences. And while he's in prison, he begins to write. And if he wasn't in prison, in miserable, difficult conditions, but if he wasn't in prison, he would not have had the time to do this writing because he would have just been busy with pastoral responsibilities, ministry responsibilities, and things like that. So this is meant to destroy him and silence him. We don't want this guy preaching anymore. Throw him in prison. There in prison, he begins to write. That's the origins of the Pilgrim's Progress. So, so think of this. By imprisoning him, and, and I get into this later, the second to last chapter, turning pitfalls into platforms for, for more contemporary people, as, as we talk about a, a lot of this for, for today. But Bunyan, by being put in prison, ends up reaching hundreds of millions of people that he would not have reached if he just was allowed to preach freely in those days and didn't have time because of his busy ministry, traveling, speaking, caring for people in his home congregation, counseling, etc., visiting the sick. He wouldn't have had time to do the writing. So by saying, okay, we're going to silence you, John Bunyan, and put you in jail, he ends up reaching hundreds of millions of people. The word of God, the truth of God, cannot be bound, cannot be changed. You say, yeah, but look, so-and-so used to have this platform, this Christian leader. They had this platform on YouTube. They had a quarter of a million subscribers. Now they're banned from YouTube, and, and they're on this other platform, but they're only reaching a fraction of the people. Or, or this one had all these open doors, and then they got canceled. The media won't have them on doing interviews anymore because their viewpoints are considered too dangerous. So instead of speaking to millions of people through, through media, being, being on, on news TV and things like that, th their platform is much smaller. In the natural, it could be. But God. But God. As I've been seeking the Lord in monthly prayer retreats, getting alone, you say, well, why do you even talk about what you do in private? To make a statement, to say that I know that the most important thing I can do is be with God. And that being with God is more important than doing for God. And for me, my problem has not been the doing. 
I, I am a, a chronic overworker, a chronic overcommitter, or a chronic push too hard or a, a, a chronic take too much on my shoulders person. That's not my issue. My issue is to step back, turn out the outside world, and meet with God. And he's reminded me in these prayer retreats that no one knows how to get the word out like him. No one knows how to get the message out. I, I mean, think of his timing at Shavuot, Feast of Pentecost in Acts 2 as there are Jews from all around the world that come right at that moment, and Jerusalem's still astir, this whole thing of Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, people claim he rose. Now you've got Jews from all around the world. They're drawn to hear Peter preach. 3,000 converted that same day, and those that stuck around more were converted in the days ahead. They now go back with that message and spread it around the world. Boom! You have something happening that never happened before. Oh, no, it didn't reach the whole world, all the nations at that point, but many, many were reached, and individuals within those nations in a moment of time. The word of God cannot be bad. Hey, look, who wrote that? Paul. Paul said, I'm chained in prison. We read his prison letters. When you read Philippians, for example, he's writing it from prison. And at the end, he says, by the way, those who cease his household greet you. In other words, I've, I've been leading the guards to Jesus. And now, locked up in prison, we read words that Paul wrote, society, government trying to silence him, marginalize him, Jewish leaders against him, Roman leaders against him. He's ultimately going to be put to death by Nero, according to tradition, beheaded for the gospel. And yet around the world, we read the words that he wrote by divine inspiration and say, these are God's very words. The word of God cannot be bound. Therefore, I'm not going to bow down to the system of the age and, and the spirit of the world and, and what people tell me I can and can't do, I'm going to bow down to the Lord. And I encourage you, bow down to the Lord and do what he has called you to do and trust him to open doors that no one can shut. Not big tech, not the campus thought police, government, no force. Heaven, is in heaven on earth, under the earth, no force can stop what God has determined to do. And friend, if he wants to get your message out, nobody can stop it from happening. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire, the special edition of the broadcast as we talk about the release today of the silencing of the lambs. Uh, if you see the cover, you'll be stirred when you see the cover. When you read the content, you'll be even more stirred. And, and as we lay out the issues and problems in the first half of the book, we keep doing so with hope. We keep doing so with examples of, of courage, both those in the secular world and believers. And then the second half of the book is just encouragement, encouragement, exhortation, challenge, opportunity. Here, the, the second to last chapter of the book is called Turning Pitfalls into Platforms. And perhaps... The example that comes to mind today that is the clearest example is that of Professor Jordan Peterson, recently resigned from his position at his university in Canada. I had him on my radio show right before his incredible rise 
around the world where he became, as some said, the, the world's best known conservative intellectual, professor of psychology. And Dr. Peterson was on the show, and I just assumed that he was a born-again Christian who was being harassed by his university and kind of felt like a victim. Boy, was I wrong. Now, he absolutely had, absolutely had many Christian perspectives. Whether he is born again or not, God knows. He didn't claim to be back then, for sure. But certainly, he holds to many biblical values and biblical truths and principles. But the big thing was he was anything but poor me, poor me. And that's what surprised me because normally it's like, yeah, can't believe what happened and it's so wrong. And well, he was calling it what was wrong, but not from the mentality of a victim. So what happened was when Canada was about to pass a law that would require you to refer to a man who identified as a woman as she or on campus require you to use the chosen pronoun personal pronoun of the student if they wanted to be known as they or G or Z or something else, you had to refer to them in that way, that he stood up against it. Why? He had studied communism for many, many, many years. Brilliant thinker. He had studied communism. He had, he had at one point been very strongly socialist in his younger years and, and worked with different socialist communist organizations in Canada, distributed their materials. So he understood from the inside, the more he read, the more he looked at things, how oppressive this could be. And one of the, one of the big issues was controlled speech, that you were told what you can say and can't say. So when he pushed back against it, yes, there was the absurdity of, of referring to a single person as they or having to learn all these new personal pronouns, right? But he was willing to you know, try to accommodate individuals and be loving and all of that. But there was an interview he had on a, a news TV station. I believe it was a news TV station. And, and, and the clip went viral. And he was asked, well, what if you're told you have to do this? The new Canadian law is passed and you have to do this. You must do this. He said, if that's the case, then I'll go to jail. And if they, they put me in jail, I'll go on a hunger strike but I'm not going to capitulate. That's the man that was on my radio show. It's like, whoa, this is anything but a poor me kind of guy. Well, next thing, his work explodes. In fact, I'm just going to check on this. He had written a book and it was, I think he worked on it multiple hours a day for something like 10 years or longer. Just, just absolutely uh, extraordinary amount of work went into it. And let, let me just see here. What was the name of the book? Maps of Meaning. That was it. The Architecture of Belief came out September 2002. It's got a couple thousand plus reviews on Amazon now. I can almost guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you it had a handful of reviews, a very small number, a fraction of this before, because it's an intellectually dense book that would only appeal to certain people. But once he became so famous with his 12 Rules for Life, just an international bestseller. And then face-to-face, -face, he's, he's speaking to, to so many groups, hundreds of thousands of people he's addressing, in the, and then different nations speaking through the media to different nations. You talk about turning something that was supposed to be a negative into a positive. And, and now here's, here's one of his recent books, Hero on a Mission, A Path to a Meaningful Life. I'm sorry, that's, that's about him. Um, 
Myth and Meaning and Jordan Peterson, a Christian perspective. So people writing books about Peterson and on and on it goes. And his daughter, it seems, has, has had a real experience with the Lord based on a, a video of her I, I saw a few months back. But here's an attempt. Okay, the university says, we will not stand with you. Dr. Peterson, we will not stand with you. If there are court cases that come against us, if there are student, student complaints that come against you, we will not support you and stand with you. That's bad. That's bad. And now you could be effectively silenced. Instead, and I believe the hand of God was in this. It wasn't just random. He is now speaking to millions of people and getting a lot of quality information out as well. I don't mean we look to him for gospel insights right yet, but he has a whole lot of insights that are very much in harmony with Christian values and perhaps is growing in his own relationship with the Lord. God knows, and I haven't followed him closely enough to know more. Stumbling blocks become stepping stones. We see it over and over. That needs to be our attitude. The more different forces of society, be it big tech, be it some other group, be it the media, be it whoever, the more that people try to silence us, if we will walk with the Lord and not compromise our message, friends, the pitfalls can become platforms, the stumbling blocks can become stepping stones. Okay, just a, a few more things as, as we go through some of the contents of this book. How about this? Chapter 11, time for professors to practice kamikaze academics. What's that about? Well, those are not my words, kamikaze academics. Those are the words of an Australian professor, a tenured professor who had the temerity, the boldness to differ with some of the prevailing scientific narratives of things like climate change. Just saying, well, there are different scientific perspectives. He's not a flat earther. He's not holding up his Bible, yelling at people. As they, as they drive by and screaming, you're going to hell. He's not doing that. He is a, a respected professor getting out another point of view about a scientifically disputed issue, whatever the areas were being disputed. So his university basically did their best to cancel him, and he pushed back. Now, as a tenured professor, it's harder for them to fire him. But when he talks about kamikaze academics, what he's saying is, we're going to have to speak up, and we're going to have to tell the truth, and we're going to have to go against the grain. And if we lose our jobs, we lose our jobs. If we lose our reputation, we lose our reputation. Look, isn't that the very beginning of the gospel, friends? Isn't that gospel 101 for followers of Jesus? What does he say? If anyone wants to follow me, and that person has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. So what does that mean? It means that if I order my life based on the opinion of others, I lose my life. If I order my life based on what's popular, what's not popular, what's going to help my reputation, what's going to hurt my reputation, as opposed to what's going to honor God or not, what's obedient to God or not, what's pleasing to God or not. If if I order my life to please people, I don't mean please them like, how can I be a blessing in your life? But please them like, well, if I say this, they're not going to like me. 
If I post this, I'm going to lose friends on social media. If I take this stand, people will turn against me at work. If I have that man-pleasing mentality, I lose my life. I'm, I'm now a slave to what other people think. And trust me, the noose only gets tighter. Winston Churchill said something to this effect. Appeasement is like feeding a crocodile and hoping that it eats you last. So this is what we're dealing with, friends. Martin Luther King said, a man dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is right. He dies when he refuses to stand up for that which is true, stand up for justice. Why? Because now you're a coward. Now you're fearing consequences more than fearing God. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, don't fear those who kill the body and can't kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the one we fear. And when we fear him, then we overcome all other fears of people and consequences. And then you're free. No one can fire you in that sense because you serve God. And he's got another assignment for you. If people say you lost, okay, you're out of here. We're not going to have you here anymore because you're acting on your convictions. Fine. You work for God. Then you obey him and he'll open a better door. You can be more effective. But this is what we must do. And the silencing of the lambs will help you. Their strategies for parents, their words of encouragement for, for ex-gay, ex-trans individuals and churches encouraged to stand with them, evangelists to get out and, and share the gospel. And, and, and then this new gospel holiday, the last chapter of the book, just mark it on your calendar. We'll tell you more about it. Tell you the name of it and, and, and why I felt led to do this. April 14th. Mark it on your calendar. But then as soon as you have a second, read Esther 414. And that'll tie in directly. As soon as you have the silencing of the lambs, don't skip to the last chapter. Get the full impact of the book. But some of you may want to skip just to see what that last chapter is about. So friends, we are here in Jesus called to overcome the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Not so that we can be wealthier, not that we can be more famous, not that we can have more earthly possessions, but greater in us so that we can stand tall, stand true to our convictions. Honor Jesus. Let the whole world know we're not ashamed of the gospel. And our message is a message of life, transformation. And in Jesus, we will overcome. Another program powered by the Truth Network.